What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We have a Monday rundown on a Monday, Friday and a Monday. Wow, we must really love you guys to bring it back this quick. Sean and I jumped right in, and we talked about college football to start, my absolute favorite. Following that, we talked NBA, and then we talked a little college basketball for the first time this year, which we will be coming in hot and heavy following the big tournaments this this up-and-coming week. So enjoy the pod, and we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. It was good, man. Uh, you know, I chauffeured uh, chauffeured the family around and Michaela on Saturday. Uh, but then yesterday, played a little golf, hung out with the family. It was a good weekend. How about you? Very nice. Yeah, it was a good weekend down here too. Uh, was out a lot uh, from Saturday through yesterday, so definitely a little tired with the week. But hey, only a three day work week this week, so oh, plenty must of time be nice. for rest. Not the same for you, I take it? I'm working Friday. I had the opportunity to take the day off, but shit needs to get done. So, Well, this is the time, like you said on Friday, that nobody does work. So look at you. Set me. On that grenade. Set me, That's baby. That's right. <laughs> Got to make the bucks. <laughs> yes, especially sir. With your new, especially with the new apartment. Well, Tom, we can actually lead off with college football for this pod. What a joy. Um, don't, have to, don't have to throw it in uh, on Wednesday, and I know you are elated about that. And really, the only true games that are of note heading into this final regular season, final week of the regular season, rather, was the absolute ass whooping that Ohio State put on Michigan State, and then the game that you hinted at, not much of a surprise to you, I guess, was uh, Utah killing Oregon. Yeah, I mean, and I texted you, or you texted me, something. somebody texted somebody about that game, and I had checked the lines, and Utah was favored at home. So it really wasn't much of a big call. It wasn't even an upset, but you know, to to knock off one of the one of the four is a big deal. For sure, yeah. I texted they're done, you. By I was, the way, the Pac-12 is done for another year. There will be nothing in the Conference of Champions in the College Football Playoff this year. Uh, sorry, uh, which, Bill. Which is for the best. Sorry, yeah, Bill Walton. Um, that that conference really needs to get better, and I'm happy that they lost. We'll see who takes the, the USC it, job. Oh my God, man! I don't know. I, that that that's like USC and Texas are like the same school right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like lots of years of past glory, a rich history, so much money with the boosters, but just no one can turn these schools around. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's either they go for they either go for the young gun or the big splash, and I don't know. They should just get a good ball coach right in the middle. I mean, that's what I thought they've been doing. Uh, I mean, USC's pretty much pulled out all stops to get the hot name mm-hmm. from another school, and whether they'd be great recruiters or great, you know, just tactical coaches. Like, it, nothing seems to work. And I know part of the problem is is they have such lofty expectations, as does Texas. You know, they expect to kind of – you know how we clown on Michigan all the time for being like – acting like they're a perennial national championship contender and yep. like hardballs on the hot seat. 
I think it's even worse at schools like USC uh, in Texas. So yeah. whoever they bring in, I don't think is ever going to live up to that. And these the Georgias, all, all the all the blue chip programs, I guess you could say, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson are just they're getting kids. They don't stay within their region anymore. So the the teams that used to dominate recruiting in their area or their state being USC in the California area and up that coastline and Texas down there, it doesn't matter anymore. All those kids are going to those four schools I mentioned. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. That's been a huge issue, too, because one giant step that a Texas school has made was A&M heading to the SEC back before the 2012 season or the 2011 season, whatever it was. And that really up their recruiting. And obviously, you know, you had Kevin Sumlin there and they were good for a while. And then you bring in a Jimbo Fisher, who everybody knows can fucking coach. Mm-hmm. And Texas is heading to the SEC. There's no dictated date yet. But, man, they don't want to be going in the SEC like this. And where no. the Pac-12 is, which is very stagnant, very stale, not good, not moving the needle, it, there's – that, that school is ripe for the taking to just come out of this On the West Coast. they've been in. And, and it's, it all ties into the same thing of when I argue why college football is not interesting is because the top four teams in college football are so much better at everything. They're better, obviously, at recruiting. They take all these other schools' players. While they're getting three stars and maybe some four stars, it's all five stars for the four schools I mentioned, and they're, they're getting them in there. They're coaching them up better. And that's why they're. That's why you see, you know, a Notre Dame team go into the college football playoff and lose by forty to one of the Big Four teams that I mentioned. Right. No, you're hundred percent right. And college football, as you know, it's been the same for a long time. It's a very cyclical sport. There's stretches where the the Big Ten is by far the best conference, and there's stretches where the SEC is the best conference. I mean, it's not that long ago time that the ACC was pretty loaded with. Mm-hmm. With Florida State and then and rolls Clemson over to Clemson. Being, yep. Yeah. And Miami, obviously. Miami, recently. obviously. Yep. And and now you've got the SEC that's reigning, and the Pac-12 just hasn't come along for the ride for all the reasons that you mentioned. The transfer portal's a huge deal now. And Pac-12 you see these great coaches. I mean, yeah. yeah. And I mean, the Pac-12 had its heyday, obviously, with uh, USC with Pete Carroll, and then they. I think they what did they go to the first BCS national championship game against Ohio State? Maybe the second? Was, Oregon yeah, did, not USC. Second. A Pac-12 team did. You're not talking – are you talking BCS or are you talking about the college football playoff? Uh, didn't Oregon go to a college, one, of, one of the first ones with where Ezekiel Elliott ran all over them? Oh, yeah, that was yeah, that was the college football playoff, yep. That was Oregon, right? I mean, don't question yeah. my football knowledge. It's it's disrespectful. Kind well, of no, insulting. when you said BCS, I wasn't sure because if it was BCS, no, BCS it was like was, USC might have been. But. BCS was like Florida State days. Like I think Jameis won the last BCS national title at Florida might have State. Been. Yep. I might mean, have been. Uh, it was because I'm a football historian. You should probably brush up. College football historian. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was back when all I had to do with my life was watch sports. Well, that, that what good days for you. Yeah. Um, the Pac-12, though, I sucks. think it'll come back at some point, but it sucks right now. Do and, you though? You know, I think so because the schools are too—they're too much money invested in these schools. There's too many great <laughs> boosters, and there's a rich history. They just need the right guy to take them out. I mean, let's be honest. It's not like Alabama was killing it after before Saban got there. I mean, mm-hmm. they were really down. That's a good point. Uh, 
Michigan, I mean, when Lloyd Carr's last few years there, they weren't very good. And the only reason Ohio State really got back to really good levels was because Urban Meyer decided to go there. Like, it's it's right for the taking. Some of the some of the schools we know are never going to be great football schools, but there's no reason a school like USC can't come back. But these kids who are all being recruited now, they don't even remember when USC was good. You know, no, like we you can't back, rest. You can't rest on uh, on history. Right. Like you're you're thinking, how am I going to get to the NFL as fast as I possibly can and be a top, you know, a, a, a lottery pick, a top 10 pick? You're not doing that at USC. You know, the last great I mean, we, we talk, talked about Darnold all those years. Suck for Sam. He's not going to have a job heading into next year. bro. So, like, hey, they, they'll, they'll produce players, hey. but they're not what they were. Careful with ago. my boy. You're still defending him. You don't have to, Tom. It's I, I've told you, you don't have to. He's he's not on your team anymore. I know, no more. I know. Nope. No you're, more baby boy. You're absolutely right. I can't even think of the last blue chip player to come out of the out of the Pac-12. Really. No, and and none of those teams are deserving. Of, you know, getting back to the, the the games from this past weekend here. Like none of these schools are schools where you expect when we run down our our scores it's like yeah we don't even need to talk about them because they're not really contenders oregon was the only one and we knew that they were kind of on borrowed time because if they had one more hiccup they were done um the other one tom now you talk about the, the blue bloods is ohio state I, th- what they did to michigan state at the horseshoe as you predicted this game being at the horseshoe was bullshit that <laughs> game was over six minutes in yeah, and they just catapulted themselves into the top four easily. The great news for us and the other college football fans that are tired of the same old, same old is I think now, Tom, we finally have a path for Cincinnati to make it. Let's hear it, buddy. So we've got Georgia. I mean, the rankings don't come out till tomorrow night, so we can bring those up real fast when we do our NFL pod. But I'm guessing it'll be Georgia at one. I think you got to put Ohio State at two just because of how good they, they've they looked. Alabama squeaked by against Arkansas, beating them 42-35. I Did think not you bet put on that game, th- thank God. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, we've talked about it. They're just not they're not one of the great Bama teams, although Bryce Young broke the single-game record for passing yards. Bryce Young looks first. great. Everything else doesn't. Yeah, the defense isn't great. The line sucks. The O-line's really bad. And Arkansas is not a bad team, but they should not be going into Tuscaloosa and giving them a game. No. And then, um, obviously, Cincinnati is right there. They did everything they needed to do. They destroyed SMU 48-14. I think that's our fourth. Statement game. We're going to find out tomorrow, man. I mean, I I do not feel as uh, as sure about them making it, making it into the top four. I guess – the only, I mean, for tomorrow it doesn't totally matter because we still got another week in the regular season and before the conference championship games. But I know you got to. I think I think if you want a little bit of credibility as the college football committee or whatever, even if Cincinnati doesn't make it into the final, you got to stick them in there once at least so people can talk about it for a week. I think this I is just, the week to do it, but I don't see it happening. I just don't know out of these teams. Because Georgia's going to play Alabama in the SEC championship. So one of those teams is going down. 
the only shot at Cincinnati not getting in is if Alabama beats Georgia and two one-loss SEC teams get in. Okay. What What do you think about Notre Dame? I, I don't – if Cincinnati loses, maybe, but probably not. I mean, they're one-loss team. I would they not. Lost two, they lost the head-to-head to Cincinnati. I don't know how you keep Cincinnati out after beating Notre Dame in South Bend. That's a good point. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Notre Dame in that after after putting just an absolute whoop ass on Georgia Tech, fifty-five nothing. And I know Georgia Tech isn't a great team, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see them in the top five this week or top four, excuse me. Yeah, I, I just. And I agree with you. I, I I don't. I I just think that Cincinnati the the committee just continues to disrespect the non Power Five conference teams, and I just would not be surprised even with Cincinnati having the win of the head to head, being knocked out by Notre Dame and them having some bullshit reasoning for it. Oh, I so hope. Yeah, I, I hope I'm wrong path, too, bro. Uh, another path they have is. Uh, if Michigan beats Ohio State, because mm. then Ohio State's Ohio State's out, and I, I don't agree. think Michigan. I don't see that happening, but I agree. I don't see that happening either. And then, I mean, who else? Oklahoma? No, Oklahoma's done. They're they're done. So Big Twelve there's is not going to be a Pac-12 team. There's not going to be a Big Twelve team. No ACC team. No ACC team. So you're going to probably you're you're looking at Georgia and Alabama. You're looking at Ohio State. And then you've got Cincinnati. I mean, it would, I think it would take a lot for Cincinnati to not get it. I think they would have to be terrible with whomever they're playing last and then in the American championship game. That would be that would be the only way. Well, we're going to find out, my friend. I'm, I'm sorry I'm not as confident in this committee as you are. I'm not confident in it either. I'm just trying to find a way that they can justify it. Because they, the, what they'll say if they lost one is, well, you know, they're they're not as good. You know, they lost the game. And, and for everybody real fast, that's like, why are these guys hoping to see Cincinnati? It's not that big of a deal. We want the four best teams. I get that. Uh, the committee's job, you and I, since we've been doing this pod, have said it's the committee's job to get the four best teams, not necessarily the four right teams, right? This is not democracy. It's we and the fans want to see the best team too, which is why we've gotten pissed that Notre Dame keeps making it. I'd rather see a three-loss Alabama team, all bias aside, against the that rather than a Notre Dame undefeated team because mm-hmm. you can tell me and a three-loss Alabama team probably deserves to win, probably could win against anybody any given Saturday. That's not the case for Notre Dame. For Cincinnati, if you give them a shot, I think I they're mean, truly the fourth. Given the win against Notre Dame, who's probably the other team we're that everyone's discussing for this four spot they're they're probably the fourth best team in the country i think they could beat oklahoma i think they could beat oregon uh, i'm trying to go up and down and think of each conference's best teams could they I, beat texas a&m could they beat ole miss yeah so. absolutely absolutely there, there's only in my opinion there's only three teams in the country they couldn't beat and those are the three teams that are going to be ranked in front of them Give them very well said, and just give them a fucking chance to. You know, I mean, we've we did see Boise yeah. State beat Oklahoma and <laughs> and, and Adrian also, Peterson. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and it's like it's like well, they're gonna get blown out. Okay, Notre Dame didn't get blown out. Oregon didn't get blown out. Um, right. You know, Oklahoma didn't get blown out. 
Washington. Yeah, these mm-hmm. these Power Five conference teams didn't get blown out anyway. So what's the difference? At least you're given at least you're given you know the other ninety nine point nine percent of the country some hope that if your team has a really good year and beats some good teams and go, and runs the table and goes undefeated, at least you can go into every season saying, hey, if we can do that the Coastal Carolinas of the world and the UCFs of the world, that, hey, maybe we'll get in there. You make a really good point as you're, as you're speaking that out. I was really thinking, like, this is such an interesting isolated season because there's not really any great teams outside of Georgia, and maybe you could make a case for Ohio State for what it is now. They're obviously a much better team now than they were in that Week 2 game that, uh, that lost to Oregon. Outside of that, we talked about Alabama's struggles. They're not a great team. They're no. a very, very, very good team, but this is not vintage College Alabama. football, reflective of the NFL. There you go. It's been one of those years, right? So you're looking up and down the line. This is the year to pound your fist on the table for the out of the non-Power 5 school it, it, because if they've earned it, if they didn't have the Notre Dame win, I think you could even convince me and say, all right, fine. But what's best helped their case is how good Notre Dame's played. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I just think, again, to go back, it just gives everybody else but those three teams a little bit of hope. And, and, it, and it's not just the it's not just the, the FBS or Sub Bowl or whatever you want to call it teams. It's even the USC's of the world or anything where it's like, hey, if they got in, all we got to do is get a good head coach in here. And, and maybe run the table or maybe lose one game and, and we're in the college football playoff in two years when he beefs up our recru- recruiting class. Whereas if you throw another bullshit Notre Dame team in there or an Oklahoma team or, or whatever, then it's just like, all right, so they're just going to pick these teams and we have no chance anyway, so why even care? Right, and then if you're at that point, all that credibility that – they try to have and i and i even if i get upset about some of their decisions i do say okay you, your job was to pick the four best teams likely almost all the time they do that but this is the time where we've seen cincinnati last year when they played georgia they had that game won that was that game was over until georgia made one final run and then we saw that you uh ucf team that undefeated team kill auburn national champion in, uh, UCF. The national champion UCF, uh, you know, they killed Auburn in their in their New Year's Bowl game. So it's not like they're it's not like they're not winning or, or showing up against that topper echelon competition. And you could say, well, you know, those teams are demoralized; they're not in the college football playoff. They don't care as much. That's bullshit. You can't use every single excuse to not put a team like Cincinnati in. If they're doing everything they need to do and the other teams from the Power Fives are not holding up their end of the bargain like they aren't this year, you can't convince me that there's not a good reason. No, and you know what? Um, Cincinnati, obviously they are undefeated, but they did have a couple of hiccups against Tulane and a few other schools where they didn't they didn't have as strong games. But I think – you know, blowing blowing a team out this past week, and then that Notre Dame win, and SMU is probably what the second best team in their conference. Yeah, maybe Houston. Yeah, but top one of those. They, well, they're if if it's not SMU and it's Houston, then they're going to see them in the conference championship game, right? Yeah, I believe so. So, so they're going to play the two best teams, and between that and the Notre Dame win, I think this puts a stamp on it. They should be in. They should be in. So, well, I'm looking forward to the rankings tomorrow. It's the first time that I'm actually really interested to see what happens because we're a week away from Mm -hmm. 
the conference championship games and we're two weeks away from them or yeah, two and a half, three weeks away from them naming the final four. So I'm excited for that. I know you are. And uh, Tom, for rivalry week, obviously there's so many good games. Are there any of the games that you're really going to be keyed in on or are you kind of just going to go in and out of a bunch of games this weekend? No, I mean, there's just it, it's more like just peeking in and checking the scores to see to see which uh, which games I'm going to be watching because I mean next week there's just so many. Yeah, no, there are. It's you got the Iron Bowl, you've got Michigan Ohio State, you've got uh, you got uh, South Carolina and Clemson, which is always a fun game. You've got Georgia Georgia Tech. There's, there's some games that are yeah it should be a blowout. You got Bedlam, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. You got uh, on Oklahoma night. State ranked ahead of Oklahoma first time in a long time. And the game is in Stillwater uh, in Oklahoma State, I Ooh. believe. So that should be fun. Um, I quit gambling. Got... I'm retired, but I, I don't know. <laughs> and the Egg Bowl, Tom, on Thanksgiving night, we've got Kiffin against Mike Leach. Mississippi, Mississippi State. My guys, my two favorite guys. That USC should just throw the bag at Mike Leach. <laughs> I think they should. It uh, happen, honestly, though. it won't happen. Mike Leach is hated by everybody, but it's fine. He's a uh, he's a legend, and he's he's got that he's got that team. Just like both him and Kiffin are just so hateable. It's awesome. Uh, I was like the Egg Bowl became my favorite rivalry game when both of those guys signed on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm, NBA. I'm fired up for all the. Sorry, I'm fired up for all. This is this is the week that you want to watch college football. Absolutely, and and then the following week we got the conference championship game. So it, it's going to. How be are awesome. you going to feel if uh, Notre Dame? Uh, excuse me, Notre Dame. How are you going to feel if Alabama loses the Iron Bowl? I'll be pissed because Bo Nix is out. Yeah, that's true. He is hurt. So, so we, they should kill. They should kill Auburn, even in Auburn. Um, I would be upset about that, but I I don't expect them to beat Georgia uh, in the SEC championship. Okay. Well, I'm hoping they don't even get that chance. Go War Eagles or whatever they yell. War Eagle, whatever they yell down there. Stupid War Eagle. They're the Tigers. It's so dumb. All right. Um, into the NBA, Tom. We had some news this weekend. We had a fight this weekend. A lot happened since we talked the other night. We're not going to go into our locals. We did a pretty deep dive on them mm-hmm. the other night. So, I thought this was interesting. I was interested to hear what your takeaway from it was and what the dominoes are that fall from it is Luke Walton being fired in Sacramento. What's next for the Kings? And was this the, did it finally come to a head where they just couldn't play any more games with him? Yeah, he sucked. Let's be real. This was supposed to be their year where they were going to make that push to at least be in the playing game. And they have the longest streak. When was the last time they made the playoffs? 2003 or something? They've got the the longest streak of, uh, of sixteen years, yeah. Whatever missed that is. playoffs, um, and and then again they're in the basement. I think they're just ahead of the Pelicans right now. They're probably what the eleven or twelve seed. Um, without looking, that's off the top of my head. Um, and he just he he completely botched Marvin Bagley. The guy has a ton of talent. I think he's going to go to another team and be a, a serviceable NBA player. He doesn't know how to get Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox, and Mitchell, who looks really good as a rookie, playing together. Um, and this team is just 
an absolute dumpster fire. I don't know. Who do you think gets hired there? And I do think it was a deserved, deserved firing. Luke Walton had a little bit of success with, like, I mean, come on. I could, I could have coached that Warriors team. <laughs> I know. That was, like, the perfect situation for an intern. Like, here, go coach this team that basically coaches itself. Exactly. Great. They coach themselves. Watch, Look at them now. Like, this, I mean, Steve Kerr is obviously a great coach, and he's a dog, too. Um, but uh, does Draymond and Steph need need help coaching? They're coaching everybody themselves, and Iguodala as well. You don't get a softer cushion to build up your case to be a an NBA head coach than than what Luke Walton walked into. So good for him, and now we finally see what kind of coach he is, and it's not good. So we're gonna we're gonna see what the kings do i i wouldn't i mean this is his second chance keep in mind because he was a head coach of the lakers too bad with the lakers and lebron wanted no part of him so i think it's pretty obvious what he is as an nba head coach he's not good so i would look if if i were them towards the golden state staff again and i would look at kenny atkinson Mm. that's your guy he's my guy i love kenny atkinson i do as well He's a perfect coach for this kind of team. Again, a really young team. Build it up. Build it up. And for God's sakes, figure out what the identity of this team is going to be and what you want it to be. They have no idea what they're doing there. There's no direction. There's no plan. You have a bunch of players with talent, but none of them fit. You mentioned Bagley. He's going to be a good player in this league somewhere. I don't know if he'll ever live up to the hype, and I obviously cannot believe that they did not take – Luca and they didn't take even a Trey Young, but Halliburton's a really nice player. You got De'Aaron Fox. You got you still got a Harrison Barnes. You've still got Buddy Heald. Julius Randle for De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley. I mean that's a great trade if I'm the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> but the Kings, you know, you did ask on the pod the other day, you're like, who's the stupid team? It's, it's Sacramento, obviously. They just don't have a superstar. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of really good players, but they need to figure out what they want their identity to be, man. It's clear and clear dry as that. I don't think they have a trade to be made before the deadline as well, if not the offseason. I think they have a few. I mean, yeah. honestly, what are you keeping Harrison Barnes for? What are you keeping Buddy Heald for? I mean, what they, they could have traded companies? Harrison Barnes for a lot. Last year at the trade deadline, he was getting a lot of buzz, but they held on to him to make a playoff run, and, and that quickly came to an end. Yeah, and they had a trade done with Buddy Heel to the Lakers. That fell through because LeBron wanted Russ, and we see how that's working out. Yeah, I would take Buddy Heel and whatever else they were giving any day of the week. Absolutely. So we'll see what this team does. But, yeah, I'm an advocate for Kenny Atkinson. Bring him in um, and change the culture of that team. He deserves a second chance. And the only reason Atkinson lost his job, we know, is because he went from coaching a team he thought he was going to be able to shape and mold for the next six years, and then – Kyrie and Katie come in. <laughs> Said, "No, nah, we're good. We don't yeah, want to play for you." Yeah, they they'd rather play for Steve Nash. Fair, fair is fair. Fair is fair. Um, who's the next coach on the hot seat for you, Tom? Next coach on the hot seat, uh, I would say the Pelicans coach, but he was just hired this past season. <laughs> um, who do who do you think's the next coach on the hot seat? You know, I I hope it's not him because he has not done anything to really warrant it but Silas in Houston could be the next guy I mean Mm. they have one win right now and that last year was obviously a disaster I would don't think it would be deserved 
because they've gutted that entire roster and you know what's next. But at some point, we do see bad teams find ways to win and compete, and uh, that team's just not. No, and and I don't. I mean, I in my opinion, he's doing an okay job developing Green, which I think is their most important thing, though. Well, that's that's going to be the the situation, right? It's how much do they value the development of Jalen Green and some of the other young guys over the win loss record? Yeah. Um, and I never know the answer to those questions because I think every franchise is a little bit different. But still, you've you've played nineteen games and you've won one of them. So, Knicks beat him yesterday. And Knicks beat him. Yeah, that was. And for a while, nail biter. A little iffy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not only the cover was a was in question, the the win in general, and then I, we would have been having a different pod today, my friend. Oh, that would have been really bad. Yeah. That would have been. I don't know if I would have even put it in the show notes. I might have just been gloss over it, avoid this, and then let you erupt. <laughs> um, Jason Kidd could be one too if the situation doesn't work out in Dallas, but that's obviously not going to be an in season dismissal um no and i think they'll figure it out i mean you can't fire the guy when he's in the playoff hunt right now and a team that's above 500 it's way too early way too early i was speaking just if it went sour yeah obviously but as far as next head coach is fired i don't have an immediate guess right now i think just the writing was on the wall you know, with Walton, because there were expectations. He'd been there long enough where the expectations were fair, and there's enough talent on that team to be better than where they are. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. He was uh, – I mean, I wish we'd bet on that. I'd be a much better gambler if I did that, but – Would have been like stealing money. Yeah, if he was plus money at all. Um, and then, I don't know, how do you feel about Chauncey out there in Portland? Not that he's going to get fired, but I just thought it was interesting that – they're not getting off to the best start. I think you know yeah. what? Let me let me just before you say anything. I think they need a trade more than they need a head coach. What's the trade, CJ? So one of those two has to has to be separated. You can't keep running it back two guards that are straight up turnstiles, especially with a much more physical league uh, this year. You just can't have that. You you need somebody on the perimeter that can defend. What's the duo that needs to be separated more? The one out in Portland or uh, Tatum and Brown? I think it's the one in Portland because I think they're much older and their clock is, is you know, ticking a lot faster right now. They're, they're coming closer to their end. I mean, Brown, I, I think we said on the last pod, he's an old man. He's 25, and then Tatum's, <laughs> what, 23, 22? So they got plenty of time to figure it out, and that's what the Celtics are going to justify. Not to mention those guys are so young, and they're not fully developed yet, and you don't know what they're going to be, and they're already both you know, former All-Stars um, and, and still have not reached their ceiling to where the Celtics aren't going to take anything short of a super-duper star for them, right? So I think, I think that... In Portland's point of view, you know what C.J. McCollum is. He's a guy that can fill it up. He can set up your offense. Unfortunately, he's a little bit injury prone. Like I said, he's not great defensively. So if you can package him with somebody else on that team and bring in somebody that you know can be a 3 and D guy, defend, or and help out Dame a little bit on that side of the ball, I mean that – if I'm if I'm Philly and and they're offering CJ straight up for Ben, I would take it in a heartbeat for both sides. 
Hmm. Pressure yeah, off of Ben to have to shoot and score the ball because he's got Dame Lillard there to be able to take over and he can play defense, be the best defensive player in the league, which he is, and he can still set everybody up because Dame can play off the ball a little bit, which he showed with C.J. McCollum, and then McCollum can just go out there and run pick and roll with Joel Embiid, and he can get covered up on defense by all the by all the players that they have out there except Seth Curry because he can't play defense either. <laughs> no, Danny Greens and whatnot. It, it it makes sense on paper and it makes sense in Daryl's just being an too. asshole. I, I just don't know why I don't know why Portland would even give up that much for Ben right now. Because the talent is still there. He I still I will still argue to him blue in the face that Ben Simmons is a top twenty five player in the NBA. Yeah, it's just his value is so down right now that it's it's hard. I his, mean, I think I'll that, tell you I what, his value You talk to Dame. You talk to Dame, and you run it by Dame, and you ask him, because their number one priority right now, even more so than making the playoffs, even though the two go hand in hand, is what can I do to make sure that you don't want to leave here? I would and say, listen, player, Dame, like, clearly what we're doing is not working. We've been to one conference finals, and, um, you know, we're we're – basically a, a middling playoff team. We need to get you some help out here. We need to get you a more versatile guy that can defend. You can take care of the scoring and setting up the offense. Uh, I think we should bring Ben Simmons in here. He's much younger guy. He's going to take a lot of pressure off you on the defensive side of the ball, and he doesn't need to do the scoring. Again, I think it makes sense. It, it's just going to be a matter of what is Portland willing to sacrifice? And, and one pushback that I have on you is you're, you're right about McCollum. We do know what he is. Are we 100% sure that we don't know what Tatum and Brown are? I think we kind of have no, – I think we know who they are. I think the question is, is can they really play together? That's my question more so than – No, I don't are. think we know who they are because they're both under 25 superstars. But they've been they playing. They've been, they've been in the league for five years. I agree with you, but, like, you see players come into their own. I mean, look at a guy like Paul George where he just kept climbing the ladder to where he's an MVP candidate now, and I think both Brown and Tatum can do that. And I agree with you. I don't think they can play together, but the Celtics also, they're 23 and 25, aren't going to give them up for nothing because both of them can be on other teams in the right situations, MVP candidates. I think both of them, at the worst, can be number two players on championship teams. But that's the tough point about being where they are is you can have this dream of one day finally having both of them together and winning, you know, a championship. But I think there's no offers out there. There's no offers out there. And I'm not even saying that there's going to be one. I'm just saying that from where I'm watching the Eastern Conference and from where I'm watching the NBA and I watch a lot of Tatum and I watch a lot of Brown. They're both explosive, highlight real, incredible players that are capable of being MVP candidates. There's no question. I think we do know that. I wasn't saying it in like a disparaging way. I think we do know what they are. I don't know what they are together. And the longer that we have this happen is they still don't have a point guard. They still don't have an interior presence. They have these two awesome, versatile wings who have had some injury concerns. And it's almost like whose who's show is it tonight? And eventually I think it's hard when you have two guys from around the same age that are that alpha of mm-hmm. trying to decide what you need to go forward with your guy. And I don't know if Boston knows which of the two it is. I think they think it's Tatum. 
But Brown is a guy you don't want to give up on either. I hear you. My question just comes I think, from how much longer are we going to do this? I think a couple more years because they're so young. And the other thing is you say you think it's Tatum, and I do agree with you. I think it's Tatum. But if you told me five years from now that, that Tatum is a multi-time All-Star, second-team NBA, NBA a couple times, but Jalen Brown is, is a first-team All-NBA, perennial All-Star, and in, in the MVP race on another team – and I can't believe the Celtics traded him for Ben Simmons and pennies on the dollar. I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked either because to me, I, I look at them both pretty equally. I'm just speaking from, I think Boston knows which of the two that if they had to trade, I think it would be Brown. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't think they want to trade any of them. In a perfect world, obviously, this whole situation works out. But you don't want another Dame and CJ situation where... I know they're they're a little bit you know further apart in age, but you don't want to keep saying we have these two great players who basically play the same position, and we're always in the playoffs, and we just need to get a few supporting players around them, and then two, three, four years later, you're in the same boat. You're a uh, five, six, seven seed, and you're maybe getting to the second round, and and that's that's your season, right? Like I, I'm not necessarily banking on that happening, but. I do think we're coming to a closer of a head because I don't like when people are like, well, it's just their age. I look for playing age. These guys both played in an Eastern Conference final in 2018. And I know that was re- really young, but like we would talk about it from the Yankees' perspective, right? Like, well, Gary's only 28. It's like, yeah, but <laughs> been watching Gary for two for six years. Like, kind of kind of know what he is. Like, Glaber, like when we knock on Glaber, right? It's not, yes, he's young. He's 23 or 24, but like he's been in the majors since 2018. He's played four full seasons. So I look more trained at player. I look closer to Glaber than I do these two. We know what Gary is, unfortunately. It really is unfortunate because, you know, I I really hold out hope for him. But But you hear my point. Glaber, Glaber, I mean, to go to baseball, I guess we're doing MLB today. We didn't want to talk about the awards because they're a joke. I'm sorry. Um, Glaber, it's like he had a great year two years ago, and and then he's been terrible ever since. What's wrong? I, I mean, his ceiling is crazy. Well, he's had two great years and two terrible years. So we don't know what he is. That's the point. No, but what I said was I was only comping it not from his not from what his performance is, but I've said his player age. Like I hold him to a higher standard, not because he's a twenty four year old, but because he's been in the league. He's played four full seasons. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I'm not saying, well, they're 23 and 25. Well, they didn't – they weren't rookies at 21 or 22. I mean, but they, sometimes – They've been playing for five years in the league, you, four years in the league. I mean, sometimes you can say that, you know, it takes takes players – I mean, they're, they're still great players. They both have made all sorts teams, great, as have Glaber. But, I mean, look at a guy like Julius Randle. It took him a long time to figure it out. Maybe these guys are going to take a little while to, to fully to fully, you know, develop their talent. But what I'm saying is, is I think because the next I frontier from them is is not only making themselves better, but you know one of these two has to figure out how to make themselves and everybody else on the team better. When I say I think I know what they are, I'm not saying that in a disparaging way. I think I know what they are because I think they're both incredibly high ceiling, explosive, dominant alpha players. I just don't know if they can play together. There's my that's my thing. I, I, I totally – I'm on the same page with you there. It's just tough looking at it from a realistic point of view of what are the Celtics going to trade for them because I just don't think that 
any other team is going to be willing to give up what you need to get in order to get them. Because, like, right can now, you think no. of a trade? Right now, no. That, that both Unless, teams would say right. yes to? No, you know? No. That's why I, I'm fascinated to see what becomes of this franchise, because even though right now, no, you're the Celtics have a little bit more than other teams do as far as patience from a fan base, because even though that fan base really wants to win, they've seen so many championships that there are fans from a certain age that are more than happy just watching two homegrown guys that the franchise drafted be great for 10 years and maybe they never win a championship but they're just they like rooting for them and they like watching them on their team right and the Celtics might Honestly, have that bro, I feel like that's kind of a slight at Boston and I like it I, it was a slight at Boston <laughs> I like but that. Also, fuck like, Boston equity, it's equity that they've built up I mean god the they're content are, they're fat and happy and fuck them yeah. yeah and they're not winning 20 games with these two guys I mean they're they're a playoff team every year it's just what is your ceiling? And after another year or two or three, you might have to decide whose team this is. And, and hell, maybe something happens between both of them where one of them's unhappy with the role. You know, you go into the playoffs and you wonder whose game it is. And maybe Tatum's not happy acquiescing to Brown and vice, or vice versa. So we'll see. But, yeah, to, to your point about Portland, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. McCollum should probably be shipped out. Um, what would you take from the brawl last night? Stupid. Well, first so of all, stupid. first of all, that was like a hundred percent intentional by LeBron. Of course it was. And then LeBron going to apologize. Like, I'm sorry, LeBron. You're probably, if not the greatest, the second greatest player of all time. You definitely are. But you don't want the smoke, dude. That guy would beat your ass. Oh, he'd kill him. Yeah. Isaiah Stewart is not somebody you want to fuck with. No, not at all. And, and and it's funny because, like, you know, LeBron has that cachet. But then when, when the hands come up, you know, at some point it's like, I don't give a fuck who you are. Yeah, LeBron, does, he's not a fighter. He's never been in a fight. He, he wants no part of it. He He's the dog that will bark at you all game, and then the other dog comes for you, and you hide behind your owner. Like, that's what it you is. You don't like, worry about the loud guys. You worry about the quiet ones. Goddamn right. I, he's not... He's not a fighter, but you're totally right, and I don't want to hear. I haven't heard anybody defend LeBron today, and I hope there isn't any. But that was a blatant cheap shot, and he thought he could just get away with it because it's LeBron. And man, once Stewart saw that blood gushing, oh, he he was just he was literally just an unchained dog, like ready to go get anything in his way. And and I don't. It was hard to stop him. He needed like three or four teammates to hold him back. And and honestly, I, I don't know if it, I I didn't hear his side of the interview. Obviously, you heard LeBron's side of the interview plastered all over the world. Um, but you know, it, both of them got suspended for two games. But if somebody asks him about him and he's like, "Listen, like LeBron's the greatest player of all time," I hope he says like LeBron's the greatest player of all time. But you do that to me, I don't give a fuck who you are. I'll beat your ass. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what you got to say because that that things like that have nothing to do with skill. No, he's that was that was just a fucking honestly it was a pussy move by LeBron. Big time pussy move. We've seen it a lot with him too. So in, during the course of his career, not a cheap shot artist by any stretch, but we've seen a lot of times where his temperament or his immaturity really manifest in certain moments, and you can see it. The frustration really bubble up. I thought they were going to lose that game. They came back and won only because Detroit absolutely sucks. But yeah, 
I mean, they're they're nine and nine. They're not a good team. That team doesn't fit together. Now LeBron suspended one game, which means he's not playing an MSG tomorrow. Uh, Stewart got two. LeBron got one. That's bullshit. But um, yeah, whatever. It is what it is. I don't think he wants to play anyways. He wants as much rest as he can get. This team's not a finished product. There's going to be moves to be made. LeBron will be heard from on the basketball court. Definitely not in the ring. Definitely not on the streets anytime <laughs> soon. But he will be heard from on the basketball court again. Yeah, of course. Um, it's he's still. He, I, I anybody that doubts him and and his ability to carry a team, uh, you probably don't want to be the person that said Tom Tom Brady was done. You know, six years ago. Remember that Max time. Howard. Remember that time that um, in the bubble when I said that if. Uh, after Portland won two games or whatever, that yeah. if LeBron loses this series, that uh, he's going to have to go down in the in the rankings, and then he won the title. That was a rough one. That was Kirk Cousins esque. Yeah, no, that might have been worse because like he's lost game ones before like a lot. So might have been worse. Don't try and weasel out. I think it was. Worse Don't try than and weasel here. <laughs> I think it was worse. Than, I think it was worse than Cousins. Okay. Um, <laughs> you picked the Vikings great... to win the Super Bowl, too. Yeah, that I did. Um, <laughs> you said LeBron would be knocked down after losing game one of a first-round series. I think there may be... No, I said game. if. If, right. But that idea crept into your head. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Semantics. Um, he didn't win the title. I'm not saying that LeBron's done, and no, neither should anybody else. Tom, we haven't really talked about the rookies yet, so just real fast, what rookies are really standing out to you, and how do you think the progress of the lottery picks like Cunningham and Green have been so far? Cunningham's looked – he's had good games. He's had bad games. Um, I just think, honestly, Jalen Green's been a lot better, but I think he's been given a lot more opportunities because it's basically him and um, what's the other guy out there, the center, Wood? Um, yeah, Christian Wood. It's basically them two just playing, you know – basically street ball out there doing whatever they want whereas Cunningham has a couple more players and and they're they're trying to run an offense a little bit more in Detroit um I think they both look good I mean Green is an explosive athlete and he can fill it up Cunningham's a little bit smoother much better passer Scotty Barnes uh he's second in rookie of the year right now odds um he's looked amazing in Toronto he can he can truly defend like every single position on the floor. Like, he looks like Scotty Pippen out there. I love Scotty Barnes, and he's gotten a lot of uh, accolade from from the, the really established yeah, Kevin Durant gave him already. a suck. Yeah, no, he went down <laughs> on both knees for him. Um, and then... Mobley, you know, of I, course, has been amazing. Mobley, yeah, before he got hurt, he was somebody that I would really try to watch any minutes of Cavs games that I could to watch him play. And I think Suggs has been good. Maybe not rookie of the year good like I predicted. But he's been, he's been coming into his own lately. He had a terrible start shooting-wise, but he started to turn it around. I like him, and I like uh, the younger Wagner brother as well out there. Yeah, Wagner's been fucking awesome. And he's got such a good feel for the game. I was watching their game against the Nets Friday before we recorded, and he just like flows effortlessly through the game. Like, just picks his spots. He's a good passer. He can handle the ball. He's just like, it looks like the game is very slow for him. It doesn't look like it's really sped up on him yet, even against the really good players. You know, obviously fouls. He's got to learn how to 
how to keep himself in game sometimes, but that comes with experience. But from a talent standpoint and kind of just like a mentality, he's, he's really got it. And, you know, the magic are in this weird spot now because you've got Cole Anthony, who's been fucking awesome, who they drafted last year and RJ Hampton, who they drafted last year too, is getting a lot of run. Yeah. And I mean, between, and then you talk about fouls between Scotty Barnes and Mobley, and uh, the guy out in in um, what's his face in Golden State? Oh, uh, Kaminga. Kaminga. I mean, these guys Oof. already know how to play defense without fouling. It's crazy. It's it Kaminga. A the fact that they're giving him so much so much run. I think he is, forced is his way incredible. out there. And he forced his way. I was just going to say he did it not by accident. And obviously the vets there trust him and they'll live with some of his young rookie mistakes but my god the athleticism that he brings to that team is just next level it's crazy he just jumps out of a gym he absolutely does he's playing great defense and he's not doing too much he's playing a role on this team instead of just saying like yeah i'm a rookie i was in the g league last year i skipped college and it just get me the ball and let me score he's like holy shit i'm on the warriors (laughs) let me let me just play my role here and it's gonna work out for me it's the perfect spot for him. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that, I think if he ended up in a place like Houston or something, he'd be in the wilderness right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, but we've seen that time and time again, right, how it really does matter, more so in football than in basketball. But in basketball, too, it matters where you go. And it matters what kind of leash that team gives you. Um, you have Kaminga playing on the, I don't know, if you had him on the, on the Hornets right now, he might not be getting a lot of time. But – you get because he'd be taking minutes away from guys you want to really see play maybe bridges or so but for golden state they're just so established that he fits in seamlessly there um tom you all set with nba you want to talk college basketball for the first time this year to wrap up yeah let's talk a little college hoops uh some games have been played but it's uh it's like the start to the college football season where you have your layup games starting um, so no real games have been played, but there there's a lot coming up. Thanksgiving is when college basketball really starts. You got Maui, Atlantis. You got uh, the one in uh, Mohegan Sun. A couple more. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. One I have circled here is Duke because I'm interested. Uh, their number one recruit um, got uh, some weird charge. It wasn't a DUI. It was like eight. How do you even aid a DUI? What did he like hold the other side of the wheel or something? Was he was he the <laughs> gas pedal and the other guy was the brake? Like what even happened? I can't tell you. I, I was know. always under the impression that it's like, yeah, I'm drunk, but I'm in the passenger seat. Leave me alone. Yeah, I'm not behind the wheel. I was responsible. Yeah. So what? Like my friend, like I had, I had ten beers. My friend had five. He decided to drive. Right. Yeah, I, I'm innocent. Yeah. So I have I, no idea what happened. I don't know the legalities behind that, but he's facing charges, and Coach K's grandson is the one with the Dewey, so that's not a good scene for his uh, – what a, what a gift from your, from your fucking petulant grandson on uh, – For your farewell tour. For your farewell tour. What an asshole that – I mean, you're, you're a walk-on that quote-unquote earns a scholarship. Yeah, okay. Like him and Bayheim kids – it's just at it, least Beheim can play though. Yeah, he can shoot it. I'll give him that. I take that back. He can shoot it, but it's just yeah. like, and then you have, uh, and then you have what's his face, the um, coach, um, the Kentucky kid. Oh, Calipari. Calipari's kid. kid uh, he's on the team too, and he thinks he's so cool. It's like, dude, I'd work you right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, Danny Hurley has his kid on uh, on the team too, and he he won't play unless he comes up by forty. No, and it's just like it's just like 
I mean, fine, whatever. They're on the. T- they probably get good grades and whatever. But like, like, where do you get off getting a fucking DUI when your your grandfather built this program and came up from, you know, nothing? Fucking Bobby Knight coaching him at fucking West Point, and now this is the this is what it comes to. It's sickening. Millennials sicken me. Millennials. I am one too. I know we're the worst. All right, um, we got some rankings here. Gonzaga right now is at number one. Uh, UCLA at two. Uh, they they had a great game against Villanova a couple weeks. They back. got a big they class this year too. Yeah, and obviously coming off of uh, that Final Four appearance, my UConn Huskies in at twenty two. Uh, but a lot of the teams from last year that we saw make deep tournament runs uh the one that stood out the most to me is saint bonaventures right now up at 16 yeah, um, well they have all senior class so but that's just really you don't you're not used to seeing that no you're not used to seeing them in the top in in the top 16 in the country but that's pretty cool and yeah we like you said we're we're at the time now where the tournaments are being played so we've got maui which has texas a&m wisconsin butler houston oregon notre dame UConn's playing out in Atlantis uh, with Loyola, Chicago, Arizona State, Michigan State, Syracuse. There's a lot of good hoops going on. So I I know I'm going to start. This is the time of year where I always really start to pay attention to the rankings every week and and just what these teams are doing. Yeah, I'm excited for it. This is when you can start watching, and this is the beauty of college basketball, you know. If your team finds its way into the top 25, you're excited, and all these teams have a shot. You you just never know, and that's the difference between – College basketball and college football, man. Yep, totally different sports. Uh, both are, you know, pretty decently long seasons, but uh, just the whole playoff, you know, the way you get there and the conference tournaments and all that, It's a team can really grow during the course of the year. And if you lose one game or two to a team you shouldn't, it doesn't wreck your season, which is, you know, certainly fun for, for, fun for us. Do you have uh, any real expectations for your Johnnies this year? Truthfully, I don't know anything about them this year. Um, I mean, listen, uh, the only thing is they need to get the offense intact from what I've seen. They've been beating up on teams that are much lesser, which is good because they lose sometimes over the past few years. They're dogs defensively. They've got a lot of athletes on the team. I think they're going to end up in the top 25 at some point this year. Um, I think they'll definitely make the tournament. But, I, I mean, do I expect them to be, you know, a contender? No. But it should be a fun season, better than the better than the past couple since uh, – since you know we had Mullen, that experiment that he I think he made oh, one tournament geez. and Le- and Levin before that. Yeah, that was that was rough. I mean, just a little. Just a I mean, little Levin was fine. I mean, uh, that team was in the top twelve at one point, and they, I mean, they lost to San Diego State in the first round, or was it UCLA? One of the two, but I mean, they did they did do well with D'Angelo Harrison and and those guys out there, Sir Dominic Pointer. Yep. Remember those boys. There you go. Yeah, it, 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 I'm looking forward to it. I just think college basketball, like having those Saturdays in the winter to just post up and watch games for a while, those are always real nice. So it's cool. We'll have another sport to start talking about with baseball heading into heading into its uh, lockout. <laughs> yeah. We say it as if it's like, yeah, baseball's heading into the winter meetings. We say it like it's, it's, a, it's on the calendar. It's a definite thing because it really it's is. A, it really is like there's there's been no denying it from everybody that's involved. So. Well, let's hope cool. some let's hope the Yankees can get some moves done. How many days we got left? Uh, December first. So what is that? Wednesday night of next week. Oh God. 
Corey That's Seager, it. put some pinstripes on. And a pitcher. Just do, do something. Pitcher. Yeah, well, Tyler Wade is gone. Clint is gone. Oh, boo-hoo. Oh, goodbye, Clint. Seriously. I'll miss you. Yeah. I'll miss your potential. Yep. <laughs> the potential we've been waiting on for five years. Um, I think that does it, Tom. And then uh, this was a real Monday rundown. It's been a while. It has. We kept it under an hour. We kept it under an hour. And we've got an NFL Wednesday to do that will just be NFL. Yeah. And then it's Thanksgiving, my man. We could uh, we could do the NFL Wednesday right now if you want. I could talk about the NFL, and I'm just going to say what the I don't know what the fuck's going on, and that could wrap it right there. <laughs> That's great expert analysis <laughs> that you can only get here. Well, I don't want to do that because I want to go watch uh, my Giants lose to Tampa Bay, so we can do our full NFL on Wednesday. Need Tampa to cover. Let's go, Tom. There you go. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, Tom. We'll be back on Wednesday. Talk to you later. Thank you.